Here he is, Jamie Baker, our Sands analyst on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline. How are you doing this morning, Bakes? I'm doing well. Everybody's chipper. Everybody's happy Every- in Sands land, eh? <laughs> no, no kidding. Well, listen, you've been about the only person that hasn't had a chance, based on your schedule, to weigh in on uh, the week that was for the Sens, and in particular the Jake Chikrin uh, trade. So how is Jamie Baker feeling about everything this morning? Very impressed with uh, the players, the coaches, happy for them, happy for the fan base, obviously. But um, I did the second Detroit game, and it was one of those games. You're like, it's going to be tough to, to get a two-game sweep, and, and they did in dominating fashion. And then you're like, okay, is there going to be an emotional letdown or a little bit of fatigue five games in eight nights when they play the Rangers and they go in and win there? And then they had a great game against Columbus. They dominated against Columbus. Again, it could have been an emotional letdown, but it wasn't. So a really impressive week. Um, This team looks very confident right now. There's a lot of internal belief. You've got love what the third line's doing. I love what Kastelik's done since he's been back. You know, Timmy Stu and his line have been tremendous. Um, then you get the addition of Chikrin, of course. So that's that adds to you know what this team's already doing. He he scores his first goal, so it was it's all positives right now. But we all know that there's a, a tough stretch uh, looming here. But if you're going to go into a tough stretch, go in with as much confidence as this team has. It's uh, it's impressive. What's it like, Bakes, being around or playing on a team when you make a trade like this and bring in such a good player, person, seems to fit on every level, and at the same time not having to say goodbye to anybody? Yeah, I mean, great job by Pierre Dorian. Just the tremendous patience um, to not have to give up a prospect. And Yeah, you give up some draft picks, but to bring in a guy like Chikrin who wants to be in Ottawa, you know, and, and the fans the fans really appreciate that. You know, same thing with Claude Giroux, like, um, you know, this, this team, it's not easy necessarily for this city to, to bring in free agents, but to have players, elite players want to come and play here, it's huge. And then when you're adding it at this time of year to a group that's already been hot and they played well, like if you look at the record, you know, there was a, a bit of a dip in January there. But if you go back to the, you know, December 1st, I think they're 10th or 11th in the league in the standings. That's impressive after the tough November that they had. We've talked about it at length this year. And they deserve this addition at this time of year. And it's not just for, you know, this isn't a rental. This is a guy that's going to be here and it helps solidify the defensive core, which is an area that they needed to do on defense. So it just adds, I think, a little more chemistry to the group, a little more confidence to the group. All right. I got to ask you the question that we were debating at the end of the last hour about Jake Chikrin, who's come in and, and listen, he's been, he's been really good and everything you talked about, uh, no doubt about it. He's got a history of being able to score goals. Uh, he had an 18 goal year and a, and a 12 goal year in Arizona. And these guys instantly want to put him and his big shot on the number one power play. And I'm like, guys, the sense power play has been in the top five pretty much the entire year. Why are we messing with that? So, Jamie Baker, is should Jake Chikrin slide in for Thomas Shabbat on the Sens' number one power play? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, the top power play has been so good, it's hard to make changes. But at the same time, if you, if you do, I'm, I'm kind of caught in between because I don't want to really tinker with something that's been working so well. But I also know that Chikrin brings that additional scoring threat because of that big shot that he has. You know, if you're if you're a penalty killer, you almost 
you're playing Chikrin a little bit tighter because of that situation. You need to be in his shooting lane, which opens up some other passing lanes. So, I mean, initially, I probably wouldn't have him there. I think the guys, you know, I think Shabbat and the, that group deserves it. You know, that's that's one of the things. But if the coaching staff thinks that he's going to be a better option and, and what it does is it helps either way, having him here is going to help boost the second the second power play unit which is a good thing because you're not always throwing that first power play unit out there in the first time, just in case they were already on the ice. Some of the guys might be tired or something, or maybe, maybe they've had a couple of go at go at it in a particular game and they didn't really muster anything. So you go with the, the second power play unit. So I think you're in a win win situation here. Um, you know, it's a one, a two in in the option, whether it's uh, Thomas Shabbat or Jake Chik- Chikrin. Would you like to see him if it was first or second unit bakes on that uh, reverse Shea Weber, um, just dropping bombs from the top of the circle? Yeah, I mean, look at where he scored the other night, and I couldn't tell. I didn't think the goalie was screened. He just blew it by him. I mean, that was a heavy, heavy wrist shot, and. I think you can put you can put him up top, but if you put him in a shooting position, I think that's he really excels. He's got a great shot. So, and then he's also got the pass options from there too. So again, you've got multiple options with Chikrin because of the heavy shot that he brings. It's not something that you know the Sens have had in a while. Is is that type of a defenseman with a, the type of shot that Chikrin uh, will bring to the table? So whether it's a Chikrin for Shabbat or as you guys are suggesting that maybe he's the one timer guy. So at this point, I guess Tim Stutzla has that uh, has that spot under the number one power play. Are hurt feelings something that a that a coach should? consider and everybody's going to say the right things publicly but behind the scenes we know when when people get moved around and maybe get moved off the number one whatever uh that they might not feel good about it should a coach ever take that under consideration chemistry etc when making decisions like that well the beauty of this situation is Claude Giroux on the second power play unit and it hasn't affected him at all so and you know you look at uh, his illustrious career and what he's done and how good he is on the power play. The fact that he's willing to be on the second power play unit, um, it shouldn't be hurt feelings for anyone else. It, you know, all it is is one, it's one conversation. That's it. And you have a conversation with the player and you say, this is what we think is best for the team. You've got a lot of these guys, you know, young guys. Yeah. You might want to be on the first power play unit, of course, but you're going to do what's in the best interest of the team. Um, that's what's helped turn this season around is that team first mentality. And if you're a player, you're locked up for six, seven, eight years. Like many of the young core guys are, you're not looking at it like, Oh, I, I, you know, I need these numbers for my next contract or anything like that. Like that's not even in the equation of thought. Um, and from what I've seen from the team, I don't think it's an issue. And again, I come back to the Giroux situation. You use him as an example and, you get to go be on a power play with uh, with Claude Giroux. And, and that power play unit's been successful at times, too. And Jeff Chikrin was on the station last week, Bakes. One of the things he talked about that I just loved is actual internal competition and what that does for is what you kind of pointed out for everyone and that, hey, man, we're all in this together right now. We all are in good contracts. Let's drive each other to be better. And in the case of Shabbat, there's never really been a plan B when he struggles, right? It's like, you know, we could say, oh, put someone else out there. Well, who are you going to put out? Well, now you got some options. Yeah, you absolutely do. And it's, 
it's it goes on a game by game basis, right? Like the coaching staff has that ability in game to make some tweaks on ice time based on who's going. So if if Shabbat's going that night, he's going to eat up some more minutes. But if Sanderson or Chickering are going a little bit better, then they're going to get the minutes and and deservedly so. So it keeps everybody on their toes. You want the ice time, there's no question. But from a coaching staff, this is a perfect situation. You know, it's the same thing what you're seeing with the third and fourth lines right now. You know, they're they're earning those extra minutes that they're you know because they've been playing well here in the last stretch. Um, Love the way uh, Joseph's been playing and, and, and some great chemistry with Ian Goche. Gambrell's been playing better lately. Fourth line has looked good. So there's been contributions from the third and fourth lines. So the, that makes it easier for the coach. You know, if, if the first or second line doesn't look like they're going quite as well, you're not going to do anything as drastic maybe as what Tampa did over the weekend. But like if they're not going for a shift or two, or you're just willing to, to roll the four lines because you're getting some some good play by the third and fourth line so which when you're playing as many games as the sends are right now you really do you need you want but you need to be rolling you know four lines you need to be getting your fifth and sixth defenseman out there but the question is who's eating up of uh, you know those extra minutes well that can be on a game-by-game basis with jamie baker our, our sends analyst so you were uh, with the sends in the original year forgettable record-wise, in your <laughs> second year, you, it was when you went to San Jose. And at that point, they had been in the league two years, had missed the playoffs like horrendously bad in the uh, in that in that year. And then suddenly the year you got there, and I like to think that you were mainly responsible for it. All of a sudden, yeah, you obviously. guys you guys are in the, in the playoff race, and of course you made the playoffs. But can you describe the feeling uh, that I'm guessing that was going on in San Jose with, you know, some younger players, some veteran players like yourself – but that feeling as the season was going on where you started to go, we got something here. Like, like, how did that feeling evolve as the season went on? It's kind of similar to what's going on here in Ottawa, to be honest. We started the year 08-1. Like, the last thing we were thinking about was making the playoffs at that point. But we battled back, and it was almost like being in playoff mode from game 10, game 20 on, you know, you get first, you just didn't want to embarrass yourself. And then we kind of, you know, there was, there was Larry on off Makarov. So we, and we were getting used to Kevin Constantine's system and we just were grinding away. And that's, that's what we did. We kind of just chewed, chewed, chewed ourselves back into the standings. And I think in the second half of the year, and I could be wrong, like we had the fifth or sixth, like the last, back then we played 84 games. The last 42 games, I think we had the fifth or sixth best record or something like that. And it got to the trade deadline and they actually made some moves. They brought over Todd Ellick. Uh, Alp Dolan got made a trade. So they made some additions like, like the uh, Sens have um, without the subtractions because the team had clawed their way back into this race. And, and we ended up, you know, not only did we, we make the playoffs, but we ended up beating Detroit in the first round. But that you talk about that belief. There was a point in the, in the year we went on a nine-game um, unbeaten streak. I think we were like 7-0-2 or something like that. And you, you believe in each other. You believe in, you know, the fact that you're finding ways to win. And then that gives you that internal confidence yourself as a player. And then you're contributing more. You're playing better. And every time you're on the ice, somebody's got you covered. Even if you make a, a little bit of a mistake, 
somebody else has you covered. That's what that's when teams are playing their best is you don't see two or three mistakes in a row. There might be one mistake, but then from there, um, there's there's somebody's following up with a good play, whether a defenseman, a forward, whatever. So that's what I'm seeing with the Sens right now. You're not seeing these egregious mistakes out there. These guys are covering for each other, and they're feeding off this uh, this emotion, this positivity that they have, this confidence. Hopefully it continues for the last quarter of the season, but that's exactly what happened in San Jose that year. Because, like I said, we started 0-8-1. Uh, we found a way to become the eighth seed and a big upset in the playoffs. Is the other part of this makes it so nice is the sustainability. Like, it's not a one-off. And, and you were around some great San Jose teams that never won. But you look at kind of the blueprint and the process of, of what Tampa went through, Chicago, L.A., Pittsburgh, of starting from scratch with high draft picks and realizing, man, I actually got a blueprint here that could be awfully good. Well, not, not done like the Ottawa teams in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, the blueprints here. The hardest, the hardest part of the job is is here. You know, like they had to tear. They they stripped it down. That's not easy when you're going to you know commit to a rebuild. They built the team through the draft. They've had good drafts. They've signed these young players. The leadership from Brady Kachuk. You've got a superstar in Stutzla. You know, then you've got Batherson, Norris. Those guys. Your defensive core looks good. Um, even you know. Goaltending is still like, okay, what's going to happen next year? We're not sure, but, you know, the, like there's there's some positivity around the future of Matt Sogard because of the way he's played. It's still a, a small sample size, but but you got to like what you see so far, and Talbot's been good lately. So there's just so many positives around this team and the, and the, the future. And like I said, the, the toughest part is done. And, and now it's, you know, rounding this team into form and we talked, you know, there's, we talked probably, I don't know, we might even brought it up last week. The, the term maturity has been used. But, like, this team was finding ways to lose in the past. You know, even in November, they were finding ways to lose. The opposite is true now. They're finding ways to win, even if they don't play their best game. Like, I go back to that Montreal game. That was a game you're like, oh, that was a bit of a trap game. But the depth players came through, and they hadn't come through a lot on the scoreboard, but they did come through that game, and the team found a way to win 5-2 to two, nonetheless. And, and those are games that they might have lost, you know, earlier in this season or in, in seasons past when they didn't bring their A game. They didn't have their A game. Well, they're finding ways to win those, and then they're finding a way to elevate their game in, in, a big, ga- in big games, like the two games against Detroit, like against the Rangers. So you're seeing a team with more maturity, more confidence, and, and they're uh, getting the results because of it. Is there a concern going in at all in uh, this upcoming five-game road trip? And I'll, and I'll talk about the first four games in particular because three of them are against non-playoff teams. And uh, you know, Chicago tonight. That you know, the old, uh, the old, the old, the old issue of taking other teams for granted, or because of the Sens, they're relative. They're well, they're not relatively. They are very new to all of this. That the momentum, the positive momentum they're on right now, that's not a concern for you whatsoever. It's not a concern. Um, what is concern? You know, if, if anything, if I had a concern, it's after tonight's game, they get a well-deserved two days between games. So, and then when they start against Seattle on Thursday, they play eight games in 13 nights in seven different cities. Six of those games are on the road, and two of the games are at home here in Ottawa. There's two sets of back-to-backs in that set. So, again, it, you know, it comes down to attrition, if you will. And they've shown some great attrition here recently because of the success they had. 
They get a couple of days off, so I think they'll fare well. I'm not saying they're going to win every one of those games against non-playoff teams. Non-playoff teams are winning some games. It's not an automatic. It's not like they're going to lose out the rest of the year, so you still have to play a good game. But I don't think there'll be a problem for this team to be motivated because they've never been in this situation, right? Um, and they see the opportunity that lies ahead, so that's not an issue. It's more just the, the grueling schedule that lies ahead. All right, good stuff. Uh, you'll be part of the uh, pregame show on Thursday for the Sens game in uh, Seattle. Always appreciate the time and the insight. Yep. Former San Jose Shark and Ottawa Senator Jamie Baker. Thanks, Bakes. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.